are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material. And before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Stephen Wu and I'm an economist in the research team. Today I'm joined by Belinda Allen, our senior economist in the Aussie economics team, to talk about both the RBA and the uh, national accounts for the June quarter. Belinda, welcome. So it's only Wednesday, but we've had uh, a lot going on this week. Obviously, we had the RBA yesterday on Tuesday, and today was the national accounts. So let's first start with the RBA. So what did they do at September board meeting? Yeah, it's been a very busy week uh, for all our listeners. We've been looking at the national accounts started today. We had the Reserve Bank yesterday. I have to say, going into the September board meeting, it felt pretty clear cut that the Reserve Bank wasn't going to lift the cash rate in September. I think the previous couple meetings where they had left the cash rate on hold felt a bit more line ball. But just the run of softer data that we've seen uh, since that August meeting made us feel pretty comfortable that the RBA wasn't going to lift rates. In fact, financial markets had priced in no chance of a rate hike if you looked at the consensus of economists all but one uh, expected an on-hold decision. And the RBA certainly delivered with that. They left the cash rate on hold at 4.1% for the third consecutive meeting. They last lifted the cash rate in June. And we think we've reached the peak cash rate now at 4.1%. The statement was very little changed from August as well. So they still retain their tightening bias. They're still saying they may need to tighten interest rates further. I think for them, they're still looking at the inflation data. While that monthly July CPI indicator did come down, I think inflation is still too high in terms of their eyes and there still seems to be concern about services inflation. Uh, We know that services inflation isn't measured every month. It's harder to get more up-to-date reads on that. So they'll really want to see kind of the next couple months of that monthly CPI data and then that third quarter CPI release that we get out in late October to really, I think, call victory that inflation is coming down and we're past the worst of that. So there was a lot of talk once again about inflation. They also uh, talked about risks around China. So I think one of the developments over the past month that we've been talking about a lot in the research team here is just the deteriorating economic data out of China. We've actually downgraded our China growth forecast, which Carol Kong uh, run through on the the last podcast as well. So there was a bit of a discussion about that. But overall, they seem very comfortable where interest rates are at 4.1%. But they're still kind of on alert if the data tells them that they may need to to hike rates again. But that's not our base case scenario. Yeah, certainly the RBA do seem a little bit more concerned about the outlook for inflation. The the battle's not yet over. And there's now increasing risk as well coming out from China. So from here, I mean, we've got the RBA on hold for the rest of 2023. They themselves have said that they're data dependent. We don't see any data coming up, particularly on the inflation and wages side, that should 
be a catalyst for them to hike interest rates. We do think the next move is down. Uh, we have that in our forecast in the first quarter of 2024 with the unemployment rate lifting, inflation coming back down a little bit faster than what the Reserve Bank is expecting. And with growth slow, and we'll touch on that uh, very soon, uh, we think that economic conditions will be there for the RBA to cut rates. If anything, though, we're just flagging the risk that we just might be a little bit too early in terms of that rate cut call, and it could be slightly later than what we're currently expecting. So that's the current view on the RBA. Uh, we just did get the June quarter national accounts data out. You and I have dived into the detail here, but I'll let you take the lead on uh, the main story out of the national accounts. And what did you see in the data today? So if you look at the headline figure, it certainly was a decent print. Mm. It came in at 0.4% in the quarter. And the last quarter as well was upwardly revised from 0.2 to 0.4. So that looks to be a fairly decent set of outcomes given the amount of tightening the Reserve Bank has put through. However, this uh, is actually being masked by weakness. Uh, this weakness, I should say, is being masked by uh, a lot of different factors. So population growth... Uh, the public sector and the external sector were actually key drivers of overall growth in the economy. Uh, and if you look past that, uh, private demand was actually quite weak in the economy over the June quarter. So what we're seeing is essentially the RBA hikes are actually working as intended. They are slowing uh, overall private demand in the economy. We're seeing it notably uh, for household spending and also for dwelling investment. Uh, and, you know, we did see uh, another fall in per capita GDP. Uh, so certainly weakness once you get past that surface of a headline print being fairly decent. So annual growth is now uh, just above 2% at 2.1%. A lot of the focus, and, and certainly we devote a lot of our time to looking at how households are faring in terms of the economy. They're the largest share of the economy. There's been 400 basis points of rate hikes uh, delivered between May 2022 and June 2023, how did households fare in the quarter? Yeah, so we can think about this, I guess, in the lens of both household spending and also how, how income is tracking. So household spending in volume terms was up 0.1% in the quarter. Uh, so quite weak. And if you consider the fact that population growth was 0.7% in the quarter, you're looking at a pretty weak set of numbers for spending. Uh, discretionary spending was the one that was hit most. That was down by 0.5%. That's the third quarterly contraction in discretionary spending, while essential spending did hold up as well. So particularly for things like utilities, uh, insurance, education and health, they were all fairly solid. Um, so uh, what we can see here is that spending is being crimped by uh, the increases in the RBA's cash rate. Um, we did, however, see an interesting thing where actually spending uh, on cars has been yeah. quite solid uh, in the quarter. So this is uh, a little bit uh, kind of unexpected given, you know, uh, the price increases that we've seen and also the cost of living pressures that households are facing. Uh, in terms of income, uh, so nominal incomes uh, and disposable incomes were up by 1.1% in the quarter. Uh, wages was up by 1.3%, and this includes both the compositional changes and also actual wages growth. Uh, so in nominal terms, household income has actually been quite solid given the still very low levels of unemployment. Uh, but in real terms, so once you factor in inflation, uh, they're going backwards. Uh, so they're down by 3.6% over the year. And 
that's not going to change. We've still got a lagged impact of higher interest rates still to come through. So we're pretty downbeat on the consumer environment for the second half of 2023. And even when we look at some uh, indicators for the third quarter data to date, uh, they continue to look uh, pretty soft for the consumer as well. Now, moving on to, to dwelling investment, we've seen home prices rise now uh, for six months. Uh, are we starting to see any signs that dwelling investment might be lifting? It's, it's a good question uh, and a bit of a mixed picture here. So on one hand, dwelling construction was actually up 1.2% in the quarter, but on the other side, uh, renovation activity was down uh, almost 2.5%. Um, so there is still a pipeline of construction work to be done on the resi side that's supporting sort of activity in the near term. Uh, and also we know that cost growth is coming down on various uh, you know, material costs uh, in, in the sector, uh, but there are still capacity constraints in terms mm. of labour. So a few things working there. I guess the key thing to kind of highlight here is that um, despite the sort of lift in uh, dwelling construction this quarter, uh, not enough is actually being done. Uh, that means that we aren't building enough to actually keep pace with population growth, which is currently uh, at 2.8% over the year to July. So we do need a lot more investment in, in uh, housing, uh, but we're not likely to see that happen anytime soon, given we have seen very soft building approvals numbers. Uh, so not suggesting that we're going to see any uh, sort of further work in the pipeline sort of getting built up there. Yeah, certainly a, a more medium-term issue for Australia is that lack of uh, supply of housing. So you can think that's just going to keep pushing up prices to buy and prices to rent housing as well. So we talked about weakness in the consumer. We've talked about weakness in dwelling investment, yet GDP growth rose by 0.4%. So what was driving that stronger outcome? Yes, yeah, so as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we did see strength in the external sector and also in the public sector as well. So exports uh, contributed almost one percentage point to growth in the quarter, although export prices have been coming yeah. down given softer commodity prices and the outlook for China sort of worsening a little mm. bit. Uh, volumes did hold up. So that's been a key source of strength for the Australian economy. Uh, we also saw as well a uh, big increase in public investment. So we're seeing a lot of uh, sort of large-scale projects actually contributing to this. So the ABS mentions things like Snowy 2.0 and various other sort of large-scale projects helping to support growth from this sense. Um, so those were kind of the key drivers there. Uh, but as I mentioned, uh, you know, private demand has been very weak yes. and we expect continued weakness over the rest of this year. So there's a lot of investment going on in the Australian economy. Uh, the plan and equipment numbers were really good, as was uh, public investment, particularly on those bigger projects. Now, that's really important for productivity growth over the long term. But for the June quarter, the productivity numbers were pretty weak, and we know that's top of mind for the Reserve Bank at the moment. Yeah, that's right. So the RBA has flagged productivity growth or, or the lack thereof as a key concern uh, for the economy. Uh, the figures that we received today uh, were quite bad, yeah. to put it uh, completely frankly. I so. Definitely a bit of a shocker. So they were down uh, 2% in the quarter uh, and actually uh, is at the same level as it was back in March of 2016. So more than seven years uh, of essentially zero productivity growth in the economy. So uh, that's a concern for, for the RBA going ahead because it means it's a bit more difficult to get wages growth 
remaining consistent with uh, inflation returning to target. Uh, but as you mentioned, this is more of a medium term uh, issue and solutions won't be found overnight. Last question. So that data for the national accounts is up until June. We're now in not the second week of September or almost the second week of September. What are some timely indicators showing us uh, for the economy? Yeah, so we've been looking quite closely uh, at some of our internal data. Mm. So uh, we released the July Household Spending Insights Index uh, produced by ComBank and we'll be releasing the August edition uh, next week. So that's going to be giving us a timely indicator of how spending is tracking uh, it's uh, sort of been quite weak uh, and we can further actually in the second half of this year. Uh, so we do expect that to continue to be a weight uh, on the overall national accounts in the second half of this year. Uh, also flagging as well that we're going to get the uh, August labour force survey next week as well. So if you recall, over the June quarter, unemployment was around that 3.5% mark, whereas the latest data so far for July has it at 3.7%. So given our expectation that we will see the unemployment rate grind higher from here on, that's going to be uh, a weight on household incomes, potentially also weighs well on uh, spending growth over the period ahead. Uh, so the overall, the, the timely indicators are suggesting further weakness ahead. Uh, so we're not yet through the worst uh, of uh, the weakness in the economy. Um, but as you mentioned earlier, we do expect the economy to slow sufficiently uh, to see the RBA begin their uh, easing cycle from early next year. Uh, so that should be some support for households and the economy if that does eventuate. Yeah, so I mean, we just in terms of GDP growth, we are at 2.1% now. We do have it slowing closer to a bit below 1% by the end of this year. So you can tell that the impact of higher interest rates that we felt are just going to continue to flow through to the rest of the economy. Yes, that's right. So thank you, Belinda, for joining yeah, me today. Thank you, Stephen. So you can read our full reports covering both the RBA and uh, the national accounts uh, on combankresearch.com.au.